This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, Jeremy Warner, Alana Enquirer Publisher here. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. Thousands of you every episode. It's been awesome. We appreciate the support. Whether you just listen to the podcast, you check out just the free articles online that we provide, but we really appreciate our VIP members, the thousands of you uh, that pay and to support this website and to pay and support our venture of trying to give you the best, most in-depth, balanced Illini coverage there is out there. And right now, if you have not been a VIP member, now's a great chance to do it. 60% off a VIP membership, 24-7 Sports is running right now. That's 60% off your first year of annual VIP membership. That's more than $70 of savings. Listen, you got a first place Big Ten basketball team right now. The football staff is putting in a ton of work on the road recruiting to turn over this roster and improve Illinois football into something much better than it has been. And we are covering it all. You can see it on the site every day. Five, six, seven stories, half of them VIP to give you as much insight into your favorite team's as possible. So if you haven't signed up for a membership now, great chance to do it. More than $70 of savings, 60% off an entire year. Check us out at IlliniInquire.com. Now, your podcast. Welcome into the Illini Inquire podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquire publisher here with you. And I have some football thoughts percolating through my mind, but I gotta write them out. I gotta figure out like exactly what I'm thinking because uh, Illinois football recruiting has been interesting here recently. So a lot of late offers to the class of 2022, blue shirts being thrown around, the transfer market maybe a little picky on the transfer market. I just have some football thoughts um, percolating in my mind, and that'll lead up to signing day, which is next Wednesday. Uh, Illinois has announced Tommy DeVito, the Syracuse transfer quarterback. They have announced Tira Edwards, the defensive line transfer from Northwestern. So two additions they've made there. Still waiting to hear on uh, Zylan Chrysler. Um, Seems like he will be here very shortly, the Juco transfer as well. But uh, So they are adding to this roster to help 2022, and I'm sure they will add more transfers. I'm certain of that, especially on the offensive line. I would expect a defensive player or so. But I, I kind of want to see how this plays out. I kind of want to put some research into some of my thoughts and kind of you know formulate exactly. But just some interesting, interesting things on the recruiting trail for them. Not bad. It's just been interesting. They, this staff can really... Really, they got a lot of relationships, uh, but they really dive in and find some some interesting, intriguing sleepers. And I'm interested to dive into more of that. I'm interested to talk to Brett Bielma as much as we can about some of that, but with blue shirts 
uh, might not be able to hear much from him on that. So just wanted to let you know, there was a football podcast coming up. Probably get Ryan Easterling and Joey Wagner on. They're at least one of those guys to, to discuss it with them. But today, we're talking hoops. You see the title of the podcast. Michael Tulip is going to talk about the big win over Michigan State that keeps Illinois atop the Big Ten standings. Wisconsin is now tied with them. We recorded this before Wisconsin uh, beat Nebraska, but we did have a discussion uh, about Wisconsin and their schedule that um, is probably the, one of the biggest fears. I mean, Wisconsin at this point, you know, they're a two seed in most bracketologies and they deserve it. So any you know, Johnny Davis, deservedly National Player of the Year. But any doubts about them, I think we should throw to the wayside, um, at least when it comes to Big Ten title contention. And their schedule only lends, lends credibility to the possibility of them winning a Big Ten title. So we talk about that with Michael, too. But most importantly, we talk about how Illinois won this game. We talked for about 10 minutes about one player. And I'm sure you know who that is coming after this game, but Mike really wanted to dive into that. And uh, we talked about some of the issues in closing out that game as well. But I will not bore you anymore. Coming up next, in-depth breakdown from former Illini and Wright State basketball player Michael Tulip, our Illini Inquirer basketball analyst. That's next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, it's our weekly chat with Mike Latsua here on the Illini Inquirer podcast, and we have a huge win, Mike. No one really, I mean, I wasn't. Vegas was. Uh, the odds makers certainly were giving Illinois a chance. But uh, once we heard Kofi Coburn and Andre Curbelo were out, I thought it was a tough matchup with Michigan State, especially with their, their size at, throughout the court. Um, but, man, Illinois comes out, puts on a defensive clinic for the first half. Second half just held on for dear life, right? And, and you find a way to win that game. Probably fortunate towards the end of that, but you don't apologize for it. But what a win, Mike. And, and Brad Underwood said culture win. What does that mean to you? What does culture win mean to you, if anything? Well, he's exactly right. And, and I think over the years when you build this thing, when you build a culture, these type of wins, the really ugly ones, the ones where you think to yourself, are, are we – like the basketball guy's going to let us win this one, yeah. uh, you know, and the and those end up being the ones that you squeak out. It, I don't know. There's something about having a bad culture and not squeaking out those. Like it just doesn't work like that, you know. You just and I'm not saying that's almost like saying Michigan State has a bad culture and that's why they didn't sneak out this game. Or like you get North, what I mean? Or like Northwestern that has lost like every painfully close game. Like I don't know if they have a bad culture. It's just. They don't right. find a way to win those games. Yeah, and I, and I think this team has found a way time and time again to make the most of their situation. And at some point, 
you know, the musical chair stuff kind of feels normal where we're this guy's out or that this guy's an illness or this guy's, but I will say Kofi Coburn out, Andre Corbello out, you still got Trent Frazier. <laughs> and I, I think it's really getting to the point now where, and maybe this is, I don't know, maybe this is an over-exaggeration. I don't know. But if you told me that there was no Kofi Coburn, right. And these are all separate, no Kofi Coburn or non no Andre Curbelo or no Trent Frazier I think the one that hurts you the most is no Trent Frazier I really do I, I think he we've talked about it before where when you have guys that do different things on the basketball court some do some handle the scoring load some handle the ball handling the the playmaking and then some handle the defensive assignment of the other team's best player and rarely does anybody do all three but he does and he does that for this team and it's part of the reason why I think Dylan Burkhardt had, had posed the question earlier today, like, who is the best, like right now, who is the best point guard in the Big Ten? And you kind of go through and, all right, that guy, this guy, and it's you not keep kind of coming back. It's not a strong point guard league, right? Like It's, it's really right. not. It's not. And it's like you look and you're like, man, this is – Trent Frazier's really making a case for, you know, to for sure all league. But the way that he's stepped in, and we'll go through the film and stuff, just some of the, the timely defensive plays and – um, yeah, I get he didn't shoot it particularly well from the field, but you know, a lot of them were kind of late, late shot clock heaves. But he's done such a tremendous job being that calming influence and being that stabilizing force for this team where when you have Colburn out, when you have Curbelo out, if you still have that guy, you got a chance. It does feel fitting, Mike, that he returns for the super senior season and is getting his due. Like, I don't think anybody's underrating Trent Frazier at this point. Like, maybe we'll fi- find no. that out at the end of the year. But, I mean, locally, no one is, right? Like, I think he's no doubt an all-Big Ten guy this year. Uh, I think he has a real good case for Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. And you just mentioned it. Like, the load he's carrying to play 36 to 40 minutes. Like, he had that weird foul where I think he just lost, like, what, what was going on. Like, how many fouls they had. But he was gassed. Yeah, you wouldn't even notice it, the the way he played, uh, handling the ball, being the only point guard on the team. That's where they miss Curbelo, right? It's just to take that load off him for a little bit. But he did it well. Like, I, I texted you, I love the way Trent Frazier is running the show right now. And it's not even scoring sometimes. It's just making smart decisions. And defensively, um, to shut down Max Christie, like the one guy on Michigan State that you feel like can go off. Like, Gabe Brown can, and DeMonte Williams gets credit for that too. But um, to do all of that, it's it's insane value, and, and I would say probably Kofi. I'd still want on the floor, but I need at least yeah. one of Curbelo and Frazier, and uh, yeah. Frazier is 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 ridiculous right now. And and you know we can get to the conversations of should he have his jersey in the Raptors? I I don't know, but like he doesn't fit the certain criteria. But I think everyone knows how valuable he's been uh, for the last, especially the three years of winning. Well, I think back to his freshman year, we and we've talked about this before the maturation process right i'm a scorer and now we bring in io we bring in some of these guys i have to guard right somebody has to guard and i'm going to be that guy and then now this second maturation of really going from off ball to distributor playmaker in in these big moments especially when you have a guy like andre Corbello go down and he's just really proven time and time again how indispensable he is in just in a lot of different ways and the rafters thing 
I, yeah, I, I mean, I think I we had a podcast earlier in the year where I was like, doesn't it feel like he should, yeah. his jersey should go up there? Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I I'm a, I'm a big rafters guy. Like I would have like if my bowls, all. in yeah, my in my bowls one, I would have like I'm kind of a small Hall of Fame guy, but I'm a big yeah. rafters like you know your Hall of Fame like the Illinois Hall of Fame big. Why not? Um, so I would have probably Trent Frazier up there because I would have Joe Kim Noah, Derek Rose in my Bulls yeah. rafters, right? Because I just those were the most beloved players of a of a generation there. So sure, put Trent Frazier up there right next to Kofi and and Iowa for all I care. Yeah, I don't think it's honestly, I don't think it's crazy. Um, and when you look at every game, every season, he's just, he's improved and he's improved and he's shown something different every season. He's shown that he is flexible in hey I'm I can let somebody else be the guy right or when it's my turn to be the guy I can be that guy and you don't have I just you know you just don't have any players like that yeah. in the country and we and, and who can do all those things and uh who you can truly tell their impact and their presence has you know a direct correlation to what this team looks like when they're on the floor and I know the Maryland game just kind of was a a little bit more of an aberration but um but yeah, man. I mean, he he really has found a way to even just in this game, right? He was two for ten from three, and um, but some of the charges he slid over and took. I'll show you some of the transition defense stuff in the film. It, it's it's gross, man. Like I, it, it's just it's so good, and it's and and you're really thankful watching it because you sit, you sit and say, man, there are guys that are on this team that get to learn from him, yeah. right? That's invaluable, and that's that's culture. And that's that's how you sustain winning, and it's with a guy like like Io DeSumo, and it's with a guy like Trent Frazier. Yeah. So the criteria for honored jerseys: National Player of the Year, enshrined in the National Basketball Hall of Fame. <clears throat> Excuse me, U.S. Olympian, Big Ten Player of the Year, consensus first or second team. That's why Cofield definitely be in there. Uh, Illinois All Century Team member, an individual whose pioneering efforts made a significant impact on Illinois and international basketball. You can you can have that last one. You could put up yeah. anybody you want, uh, basically. So maybe Trent gets in there for that. I wonder if at some point they just go, "Hey, if you finish your career as a top ten scorer, we'll put you in." Because then they could put Kawan Garris, who's the other like huge one that people bring up, yeah. and Trent Frazier right in there after uh, he passed up Mark Smith and Brandon Paul last game. Yeah, it's I, and I get he's he's played five yeah. years, but you still got to put the ball in the basket, right? And, and and he's done it in a lot of different ways. And yeah, no, I, I think that last part of that criteria is pretty spot on for what he's meant to this program, right? Thank, thank you, John Gross. He, right? he finally landed that point guard. He just wasn't able to coach him uh, that entire yeah, I'll, time. I'll even I'll even take it back with, with Trent. I remember his recruiting visit. I was actually um, I was coming back from Wright State. I, I had just finished my summer first summer at Wright State, but I came back to campus and it happened to be Trent's recruiting visit. So <laughs> Trent was like riding in the passenger seat of my car. I wasn't even on the team anymore. And just kind of, I don't know, I, we went over to Firehouse and, you know, D met up with us and, you know, you could tell, like, he was just, <clears throat> this was just the place for him. Um, you could tell he felt at home and, uh, you know, he and D had a really good conversation and, and you know, the staff did a really good job. And um, But even, I think the one thing that goes a little bit, I guess, not talked about as much you know how many kids have gone in the transfer portal over the last few years? Seriously, I, I mean, and, and he and he as a guy that score, he's like a prime candidate. 
like a freshman that scores 13 a game on a losing team that probably wants now wants to go somewhere else would have had teams lining up to go after him if he did decide to go into the portal and he didn't and he, he stuck it out and you're, you're a big part of turning this team into a one seed you're a big part of turning this team into a Big Ten tournament champion and you know first place in the Big Ten right now and I think that that should not go I guess not talked about uh, it's a great point. you know it says a lot about him yeah, it's a great point, Mike. And, and you think of, like, he could have been Alonzo Verge. Just chase those buckets, right? Like chase wherever you're going to be the guy who gets 15 shots, a, 20 yeah. shots a game. Uh, man, when Io came in, he had that weird time where they're trying to figure out their role, but they both bought into it, right? And, uh-huh. and then Andre Curbelo comes in, and Trent just decides to become the best player he, he can, and that's on the defensive end. ton of credit to him because not a lot of guys do that. And I think – probably from that time 17 or 18 year old Trent Frazier was on campus to, to now like one of the funnest parts of my job is watching the maturation uh, of these guys and um, the maturation of Trent Frazier has been uh, just a joy to watch his development right like, you know we talk about the player that he's turned into and that's what you want to see and through five years of college basketball and I think it's a reference point for this staff yeah. when you bring in a scoring guard that may be a little bit undersized. Hey, this is what we can help turn you into. And, and, and a lot of that is the kid. Um, but a lot of that is the coaching staff and the situation and, and allowing for development. I think that's, that's something that, um, you know, that flies a little bit under the radar is, is coaches allowing their guys to develop uh, and not, not putting them in the box or not putting them on, Hey, you know, you're not as great with the ball, so we're going to put you on a dribble limit, or we're going to do like, you know, Brad Underwood and that staff has done such a good job of just letting these guys play. You may make mistakes in the beginning, and that's great. I think every mistake that you make is bringing you closer to figuring out who you are as a player. And Trent certainly figured that out here in his in his fifth year. All right, so he was part of this first half, Mike. Uh, I, I said defensive clinic. You're going to have a film breakdown. But mm-hmm. this is the opposite of what happened against Maryland. I mean, even even against Trent, like Ayala is getting penetration. Fats Russell is getting penetration. Um, it didn't continue in the second half. Michigan State kind of got theirs. But what happened in that first half where, where Illinois was able to shut them down? Yeah, I think the contrast between Maryland and Michigan State, Maryland, and a lot of it's going to come back to transition defense. Um, transition defense is difficult for any team. It's especially difficult for an offensive rebounding team. And you can look at the numbers, right? You know, I think they're, they're giving up over, over one point per possession transition, which isn't crazy, but it's, I think it ranks in the 28 percentile in college basketball right now, this Illinois team does. Um, but the part of that's by design. I mean, you can't get all the offensive rebounds you get without sending guys to the glass, but if you don't get it now, that's three, four guys that are behind the play. So that's, that's the give and take. And that's the balance that you try to find against Maryland. You know, I thought the problem was you let some good players feel good early, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Ayala had a really tough shot to start that game on Trent. It was like an 18-footer, contested two, falling over, whatever. But they got out in transition. Fats Russell gets out in transition. They don't get matched up. He sees a few go through. Alfonso Plummer starts getting screened a little bit. And and it was, it was on at that point. And, and all bets are off when you have good players feeling good at home. Um, against Michigan State, it was a little bit different. I thought, you know, there were some transition defense mistakes uh, in the first half. They got out and Gabe Brown did what Gabe Brown does and sprinted the floor and got some dunks, got some fouls. 
but for the most part, they were able to keep the floor, you know, keep that half court congested for Michigan State. And, and we'll show it in the breakdown. They just didn't do that against Maryland. I mean, it felt like there was – if you look at the Maryland game and then you look at the Michigan State game, it looks like they are playing on two different basketball courts. It looked like one was 80 feet wide and it looked like the other one was 40 feet wide, um, right? So – or 50 feet wide, whatever it is. And that ended up being the difference. There, were, there weren't many avenues for this Michigan State team to drive. And then, you know, when, when they don't have that, they have to rely on making – oftentimes contested three-point shots and it's the reason why you know at one point they were one for ten or whatever they were um and that's a big reason for that illinois does such a good job of, of guarding the three because they do a good job of guarding the ball and when you don't guard the ball that's when you're in rotation that's when guys are getting head full steam downhill and that ended up being the story against maryland but against michigan state especially down the stretch you know i, I thought their their switches the rotations were so much more crisp they were so much more dialed in on that on that end and that it really ended up being the difference mike i want to ask you this question like illinois right now through conference playing we got a big sample size here now nine games has allowed the fewest percentage of points among big 10 teams from three 22.7 percent of opponents points are from three and second most from two 58.6 percent which is kind of brad underwood's goal right yeah Force force them to make twos because uh, we know the math that is involved there. But how do they do that? Like because there were so many tough twos by Michigan State in that first half. Yeah, we talk about the drop coverage defensively in ball screens, and that's what that is. That's that's what that breeds. It's it's forcing you into those pull up twos. You got to think if you're a, if I'm a if I'm a ball handler, it's coming off a ball screen. I'm going. I'm on the right wing. I'm coming off to my left. Kofi's retreating into the paint. They want to encourage that pull-up jump shot from 17 feet, a floater from 14 feet, whatever it is, to where you don't have to be in rotation. And the teams that don't guard like that, or maybe they zone, or maybe they 2-2-1 press in the full court, that's where you start seeing threes get shot because there's a lot of rotation, right? Like, let's let's switch the ball screen coverage. I'm, I'm coming off on the right wing with my left hand again. Coming off, they want a hard hedge. Okay, I'm doing two retreat dribbles back, right? And now, since I have that big pulled up with me on those retreat dribbles, now it's on those, these guards that are helping underneath the basket to protect the roll guy. And if you protect the roll guy and I throw back to my other guard who's shaping up from the corner, now you're in rotation mm -hmm. or you're giving up open threes. And, and that's why this particular drop coverage, as much as it can it's not as aggressive right and I, and I know at times you want to see just you want to see more pain or Kobe Coburn like blitz a ball screen right but you got to realize what you're opening yourself up to so you, you rely on hey they're gonna have to beat us with 17 footers and 15 footers and, and sometimes those shots fall um but if you can take away the threes you're gonna be in most games that you play Let's give a shout out to to Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk, uh, who over the last you know three four games has 
has really battled. I, I think that's just the best way to say it. It's not always pretty, but he battles. He makes things difficult for whether it's Zach Eady or Trevion Williams, or we saw you know Marcus Bingham's you know maturation as a player has been fun to watch too. Uh, and he was pretty good when he was in the game, but uh, you know Bossman's Verdonk battled, and I thought Omar Payne, you know, especially offensively, giving Illinois some things. Uh, they allowed you to compete, right? They allowed you to to, to stay in that game. What what has stood out about? What stood out about them in that game? Because Omar Payne's kind of up and down right now, but Bossman's, I think the reason he's starting is just because you, you kind of know exactly what you're going to get from him, and it's it's been pretty solid lately. You hit the nail on the head. You know exactly, come hell or high water, <laughs> what you're getting with, with, with Bossman's Redonk. And, you know, I, I made the point, I think I tweeted it during the game, that I think I, I said, hey, with that particular offensive personnel grouping, He's actually a really good fit out there. He screens, he can pass. Um, and then I, I mentioned that he fights on the offensive glass. I had someone get in my comments and say he had one rebound. I said, I didn't say he gets offensive rebounds. Yeah. He fights, and that's all you want because we talk about if you can occupy your guy, that's great. That maybe opens it opens it up for another, you know, DeMonte Williams, Jacob Branson to fly in and actually get the rebound. So you like that stuff. And I, and I think – they've shown this team in particular is hey if we have Kofi Coburn out we have a guy that we can put in that is different than Kofi there's no question about it but still lets this team have certain advantages on the offensive and defensive end for example on the defensive end Benjamin Boston's Redonk is better in transition defense than Kofi Coburn um he just is yep. uh and and I think he's done a good job of, of really sticking with hey this is who I am this is this is what I'm going to do. He, I thought he's done an even better job over the past couple of games of finishing around the rim. You and I have talked about that all year where yeah. it hasn't looked great at times, but but he has gained a little more confidence, like anything in the world, right? You know, you get a little more confident doing it, then you, you'll see a little bit of a higher success rate. And yeah, you know, I think Kofi's going to come back into the fold here, but knowing that you have a, a Benjamin Bossman Zerdonk who can come in in these moments, and him and Omar Payne are different players. Yeah. There's no question about it. But there's an advantage to that. There, you you can use, you know, if Omar Payne was your sole backup and Kofi goes into foul trouble against a low post threat and you don't have a Benjamin Boston Sardonk, like that's a problem. You know, now, now you're really having to shuffle around lineups and maybe you throw Coleman Hawkins down there. Maybe you throw, like, Luke Goody down there on a, on a post presence. And, yeah, I, I think he's done a, such a good job of, like you said, doing what he does, doing it at a high level, and sticking to that, yeah. right? Rarely, very rarely, you're sitting there saying, "All right, man, let's dial it back." He, he usually does what he does, and and he does it well. So, so credit to him, and and obviously credit to the staff for for putting that trust in them to to go out there and do those things. The Luke Goody from all, game. from all accounts, he sounds like a guy that, from what I've heard, he just does all the right things. Yeah, um, in practice, outside of practice, I mean that that type of stuff. I mean, people can you know, say that it's BS or whatever, but that kind of stuff will always give you a leg up in the coach's eyes without question. You can tell everyone loves him. Like, like you can tell the way they talk about him. They are so happy to, to see his success. And for Illinois, it's huge. We didn't know what he would be coming into this year. And, you know, he's kind of built as a skilled kind of guy who could be the four that they need, but he's turned into this kind of bruiser um, who, who just does things well. And, like, it's kind of the – 
kind of the DeMonte Williams of big men in that it's kind of unnoticed most of the time, but it, it makes an impact on the game. Uh, Luke Goody got noticed. Uh, we've been, we kind of been talking about, is he going to steal some minutes here from, from DeMonte or, or Grandison or, you know, who struggled here or, or Coleman Hawkins who, who struggled here the last four or so games. And boy, he stepped up in a big way. And you could tell why Tom Izzo wanted him. He just reminds me of a guy that Michigan State's had for years. And I, I think that's, that's, that's saying is as, as, as positive of a thing as you can. What would you think of Luke Goody's kind of breakout there? Yeah, he's been tremendous, uh, even just in the spot minutes that he's gotten over the last few games. And he was playing closing minutes, closing minutes on the closing possession for, you know, for Michigan State there and, and actually got, you know, before Trent missed his free throw, Luke Goody's the one that got in there, stuck his nose in there and got the rebound from the opposite side of the lane to go and grab it, to secure it. Maybe wish she would hold on to it, uh, you know, and, and be the one that got fouled. I know they weren't in the bonus yet, but you know, like he he's he's so skilled, man, and, and and he he fights his tail off. And that combination, I think sometimes you see the guys that fight their tail off. You're like, yeah, they fight their tail off, and it makes up for their lack of skill in all these different areas. But he has he possesses those things, right? I mean, he's he has shown in big big games that he can come in and knock down shots, big time. He can come in and knock down shots. Um, you always, and, and you always talk about – sorry, Mike, to interrupt. You always talk about being shot ready. Like, I compare him to, like I, – I just don't think Grandison has been as shot ready or, or as confident lately. Um, Luke Goody is. Like, I, I, I watch him as, like, Trent's probing, yeah. and he is just ready. His hands are up. His his feet, you know, are a little bit wider than shoulder width. Like, he he just – he's a vet. He plays like a vet already. He does. And, and I, I don't know what the Grandison thing – I thought he was really – like Grandison's really shot ready earlier in the year. I'm not sure what has changed. And sometimes it's just, it's the January, February thing where you yeah. just, I don't know, like you're not as dialed into those things. And, um, but Goody just seems like he came out of the womb shot ready. <laughs> so it, it, which is great to see. And, and I think he's another guy that, look, the kid's six, seven. He's strong. He can move a little bit. I mean, that is, when you talk about guarding these fours in the Big Ten, I mean, that's a guy. You talk about Ty Rogers coming in, but he's another Luke Goody's another guy that as he gets stronger, as he gets even quicker. I mean, Fletch is Fletch is the the best in the business. So you know, Luke Goody's only going to trend upward when it comes to strength and quickness and being able to to guard those guys. So um, I'm excited to really see his progression. Uh, and, and I know Brad Underwood teased the the 1500 point scorer thing after the game, which I think you see all his other intangibles, and you hear a head coach say that you're like, whoa. I mean, you talk about 1500 point scorer i mean that's 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 nothing to scoff at yeah. that is that is big time so i i think he's he's the type of guy that you know if you're an ohio state fan if you're an indiana fan if you're a purdue fan iowa fan you're gonna be like god look goody is still <laughs> illinois he's just he seems like he's gonna fit that mold for some reason yeah i i don't agree with brad i don't think it'll be 1500 because there's only been 13 players to do that but thousand yeah I, I could see that yeah. that easily because I think next year he's going to be a double digit scorer as a, as a starter. Uh, I think he's going to be that, and, and that's a great thing. If Grandison moves on, you don't feel like you're missing very much if Luke Goody uh, comes into the game. It got dicey, Mike. Last six minutes was Illinois running out the clock. Were they playing the clock game? And I hate that. Um, or was this just they couldn't run offense and and weren't making good decisions? Well, I mean, you know, Michigan State, I thought, did a really good job of taking away some of their 
initial actions. Um, the, the thing with this Illinois team at times, when you have a certain personnel on the floor, it's always better off to just, hey, let's just keep it simple. Let's run, let's run some horns. Let's run some, you know, sideline ball screen stuff. And that's how we're going to keep it simple. The problem is at the end of the game, when you're keeping it simple, it, it's really easy for teams to kind of get a beat on that stuff. And now, yeah, there is a little bit of the clock game. There is a little about, you know, about handing off and running the ball uh, as opposed to just calming down. And, and I think it got to the point late in that second half where I, if I'm, if I'm Alfonso Plummer, if I'm any of these other guys, I'm like, if you got a good look, take it. Because I think if you can make a shot, we can finally put this thing to bed. Uh, and that's why I just felt like it kept going on and on. And, and I also mentioned a lot of these late shot clock threes that were taken, a lot of them were by Trent Fraser, just, you know, three, four seconds on the shot clock, you got to get it up, led to long rebounds yep. and led to more transition opportunities for Michigan State. So, you know, I think it's it's stuff you take a look at and say, hey, when we get into these moments and when we get into these slogs, I guess, where, you know, I, you, you can't get anything going. Um, I actually thought Alfonso Plummer, it's funny, in the moment, you know, they just looked, there, looked like back-to-back threes. Those two threes he hit in the second half, uh, around the nine and a half, ten minute mark was it was the game. Yes, that was the game. Yeah, and I got to give Alfonso a shout out. Like he's four of eleven, right? But he was three of seven from three with those two huge end up being clutch, even though they're midway through the second half. Yeah, but I thought he's his passing has been far oh. better. Like because teams are overplaying him as they should, right? Like run him off the three point line. He's a small guy; you can use length on him. Like so, teams are really focused on him. Like more so than than anybody on Illinois right now, because if he gets going, good luck. Um, but he's making good decisions. Got pain, a, a good touch. Got, uh, I think that was for his hand one, and then yep. you know he got uh, Benjamin Bossman's Redonk a good one. And with teams over focusing so much on him, I think he had one to Goody and one to Grandison too. So he's starting to make really good decisions with the ball, and he doesn't turn it over all that often. So it's kind of been a a new thing. I want him to shoot more threes than twos. I don't yeah. want him to fall in love with that. But his decision-making is, is kind of a, a league guard at times has been better. Well, I think the the situations that they put him in, oftentimes, you know, they'll they'll enter it to Omar Payne on kind of the extended elbow, and Omar Payne will go into a dribble handoff with Alfonso Plummer, and, or you'll have Trent that'll, you know, dribble in front of Omar Payne and hand it off to Plummer who comes off of Omar Payne. And that's really where they keep him. Like, Hey, this is, this is, you know, with your left hand coming off, like this is where the situation will put you in. We're not going to, we're not going to make you yo-yo with the basketball up to like, that's just not his game, but he can do those in those little moments where he can come off and get, you know, one dribble, two dribbles off the ball screen, either get downhill or like he's seeing now these teams are blowing him up off these dribble handoffs off these ball screens so you take that one retreat dribble like he did in the second half and it's it's the beauty of it man we talk about that middle third of the floor where if he is screaming off that ball screen and can string it out into the middle third if he picks it up like he does and jumps to pass it those corners are not helping in they can't help in as much so now you have a big man that's you know screaming down the middle of the floor for a wide open layup a wide open dunk or if they do help in skip pass to the to the corners or wings so that's really been it's great to see that evolution of his game and the way that these defenses are guarding him because you can exploit that if you're brad underwood and, and he will i mean that's what that's what good coaches do and i've always said if you have if you have a play at the end of the game you probably draw it up for 
for Alfonso Plummer as much as you like these other pieces, but that's where you'll get the most reaction. Like, you, you know, you'll get the most help with a guy like Alfonso Plummer coming off the screen. So, um, yeah, man, he's, he's been, he's been great. He's been solid. He hasn't turned it over as much. Um, which is really what we were looking for in the beginning of the year. And he's taken that step and, and credit to him. What's that win that keeps you atop the big 10, puts you back on top of the big 10 without two of your best, what three players. What's that mean in a locker room? Cause I, you know, Trent says like, Hey, every, we treat every game like it's the same, but I don't think every win feels the same, right? <laughs> like when, when you get that, um, what's that win mean for them? You know, as you hope you get Kofi back, you hope you get Andre back here soon. You have some time still where you can kind of get a rhythm if you need to heading into March. But what what did Tuesday mean for that team? Yeah, I, I think a lot of times Trent's right. I think you you treat every game the same going into the game, but you're you know every game it feels different after the game for sure. Um, especially when a lot of people counted you out. You know, you're down a lot of these star players. And you go out and do that, and it's a you win a rock fight with Michigan State, who can be the king of rock fights at times. Um, but you know, I, I think you look at the Big Ten standings. You look at Illinois sitting atop the Big Ten standings right now. I have a really hard time, really hard time believing you can lose three in a row this year and win the Big Ten. Um, I, I just do. Like I, I think that's that would be a really hard thing to overcome. Um, so I, yeah, so this this win, yeah, it meant a ton. I, I I think it shows that you can win without those these two guys. One, it shows what you have in Trent Frazier, which not that anybody was not that anybody within the two one seven up to three one two six three zero like right. no one no one doubted that. But yeah, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes where you start looking at him as not just a, oh yeah no he's a really good piece with Kofi and some of these like no he is a really good piece for any Big Ten team. He just is. And I think if you ask any Big Ten coach, they would give their right arm to have a Trent Frazier on their team who's just willing to do all those things and doesn't complain about it. So, yeah, you know, that means that win means a lot. And I think it's a win that when we get to late February, early March, you'll look back and it, whatever, however heated this Big Ten races, you, you go back to that Tuesday night and you just say, hey, that's, that's one they needed to have. Mike Northwestern um, has given so many teams a fight. They haven't been able to close those except for the, the win at East Lansing, which is huge for Illinois. But, man, they just they just keep giving good teams really tough games and, and not knowing whether Kofi will be there. Like, they have some good big men. Like, Pete Nance is really skilled. Uh, Ryan Young, I, I enjoy watching just because he's so crafty uh, around the basket. And then they got some guards who are really inefficient. Boo Booey and Chase Audis are inefficient, but they're talented and, and they can go off. So what do you think of this matchup with Kofi and Curbelo, maybe with one of them? And what would you think of the matchup without either of those two? Well, think about the game. The game in Evanston last year was probably the weirdest game in, <laughs> that I've, I can remember in the last five years or so kind of gets lost in all those games doesn't it yeah down 15 <laughs> win by 30 or whatever it ended up being it's just or win by 25 i guess um anytime you outscore a big 10 opponent by 40 in the second half i think that's what it ended up being right yeah. it was 40 right let me look that up. yeah i mean it's, it's, it's nuts it's, it, it's it's hard to do obviously and look you know over there you know they, they've they've had some wins this year 
um, you know, they beat Maryland, they beat Michigan State, and you mentioned it. I mean, they've been they've been right there. Um, Fifty three you know, to thirteen in the second half. Yeah, forty point. I mean, that's just it was forty three twenty eight. It was forty three twenty eight at halftime. You're thinking nine and three Illinois at that time. You're like, oh man, this team isn't very good. And boom, it was just nuts. Yeah, I mean that's that was that was the Adam Miller second half too. He played well, and obviously Iowa. But but yeah, this 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 Northwestern team this year, um, it's amazing what taking care of the ball can do for a team that that lacks, you know, the the talent, the star power that a lot of these Big Ten teams have. You know, they're fourth in the country right now, taking care of the ball um, with a thirteen percent turnover rate. Uh, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to find yourself in games if you compete defensively and, you know, they're, they're shooting, they're shooting well enough for, Hey, when you are taking, cause I'm a big believer that, okay, great. You take care of the ball, but if you aren't putting the ball in the basket, then who cares? Um, you know, shooting almost 36% from three for the year, um, which is good. I mean, that's, that's top 100 in the country. And, and then when you mix that with, with taking care of the ball and, and kind of doing all these things that they do, it's it, it it makes them a team that just is kind of like, hey man, like go away, you know? Why? How are you still like? Yeah. Why are you still alive? Like we, you know, there's four minutes left and we're at the last media, and you're still here. Like you're still within shouting distance. You're down five. You're down six. And I don't think you can ever really feel comfortable with this Northwestern team, yeah. um, you know. And, and it may be another ugly game. Who knows? Uh, Illinois doesn't force turnovers and they don't turn it over, so. I wouldn't really expect that to change this game, but with those two, with, you know, if you don't have Kofi, you know, then yeah, it's another big game for, for these big men to, to kind of guard out of their position a little bit with Pete Nance and, and with Ryan Young, Ryan Young's much more back to the basket, but um, they pose a challenge. It, it's a, it's a challenge. And then I'll, I'll mention with Audige and Bowie, you know, I know Bowie didn't really do much last year against Illinois, but I mean, you look at these other games, scoring 30 and Audige scoring 30 and, so, like Maryland, this is a team that's has they have good players and good players. If you make them feel good about themselves early in the game, I'll always say all bets are off. So, um, and you're traveling up to up to Evanston and mm-hmm. should be a pretty pro Illinois crowd like it always is. But man, hey, I, I'm not sure you can ever just chalk one up, chalk a win up when you go up there in uh, in Evanston. Mike, next week we'll talk about a huge week with Wisconsin. Indiana, then Purdue after that. And that Purdue game uh, moved up a little bit to, to Tuesday. Uh, so that is, that's a heck of a, a run there of 10 days there. Uh, we're going to find out a lot more about this Illinois team. But right now it's Illinois, it's 7 and 2, Michigan State and Wisconsin going into tonight, 6 and 2, Ohio State, 5 and 2, Purdue, 5 and 3, Indiana, 6 and 4, Michigan making its run at four and three. I, th- I think you were fortunate when you got them at home, uh, especially without Hunter Dickinson. Th- that's the top half of the league. Um, who are you kind of buying stock in and maybe who are you selling right now? Hey, Mike, you're muted. I, yeah, go ahead. I, I, yeah, sorry. Um, I know Michigan's been on the uptake a little bit here. Uh can they do enough? I, I just, I, I think that team just has a ceiling in my opinion of where they can finish in the big 10. And part of that's just the start that they got off to. Um, it's going to be really hard to climb back into that. Uh, you know, I, I think Indiana is a team that, I mean, that's a tough place to play. Um, 
Can they do like it on they, the road? Yeah, can they, yeah, yeah like they've just been Je- they've been Jekyll and Hyde a little bit. Um, so I, I don't really worry about them as a as a contender. I think Purdue, as we mentioned, um, I'll continue to buy a little bit of stock in Purdue just because I think they every game they go into they have the guys to do it. It's just a matter of you know what how the game plan goes and and who goes off for the other team and if they keep Sasha Stevanovich in check and um, you know and and I think Wisconsin. I mentioned them as my fifth Big Ten team, whatever, a couple of weeks ago when we did it. And I, and I still feel that way. Um, I, I think that they're not going to be on as much of a towards stretch as they've had to start this um, to start this Big Ten season. Uh, you know, and, and then I, I do like Michigan State. Uh, I, you know, I think they're good. I think they just they had a terrible game uh, against Illinois, and Illinois had a lot to do with that. Um, but I do like their pieces as Christie and and all those guys continue to get get comfortable, and I think Tyson Walker and Hoggard are are two really good point guards that that push that pace. And um, and yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State's kind of been the team that no one really talks about because they just haven't been playing, <laughs> um, you know. And and I know they play again tonight, and um, so we'll see what what happens in in that game. But it, it's pretty open, right? I mean, like it's I don't think any of these teams are going to run away with it. Um, I don't think any team's going to win the Big Ten by two, by you know, three, four games. That's that's not what's going to happen. This is going to come down in the last two, three games, I, I would imagine, uh, in this Big Ten race, which is which is great because I think I think Illinois is likely going to be one of those teams. Yeah, the one thing about Wisconsin, you mentioned it, the wins they've racked up early against Indiana, Purdue on the road, Iowa at home. Even now, Maryland on the road. That's when they got over Illinois, right? Yeah. Um, Northwestern on the road, Ohio State at home. Their schedule really lightens up. Like So it, it, if we're talking about the best teams, like, I still think Purdue going into March is the team that scares other teams in the tournament. Uh, Illinois, I think, has more talent than Wisconsin. When we talk about Big Ten titles, sometimes schedule comes into play, right? Yeah. And they still got Nebraska twice, Minnesota twice, Penn State and Rutgers twice, right? Like so, that, yeah. They that's seven of their remaining twelve games that I I don't see them losing because Wisconsin doesn't usually lose those games. Might be close, but they just so play so disciplined. So that's a team that won't surprise me if they have fifteen wins at the end of it, just because yeah. they take care of business and and what they've built up early is is more impressive than what Illinois and and Michigan State, to be honest with you, have done. I think Wisconsin, and this is something that this year I was talking to a buddy of mine that coached there. Um, they have like a different shake to them. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It doesn't seem like the typical Wisconsin team. Whether it's whether it's just the fact that Johnny Davis is their guy, yeah. um, you know, and he has he has just an, an NBA pro style type game. You know, I don't think you see that as often with a Wisconsin team, especially out of Wisconsin guards you know, over the last like 10 years um, you know so that's that's been interesting to see and Chucky Hepburn's another guy that I think is is solid and, and is a little bit different than than what Wisconsin's had over the years and and then Brad Davison I mean I think everybody you know I, I was sitting watching the Wisconsin Ohio State game a few weeks back in my grandparents living room my my grandpa walked in just out of nowhere and was like and Brad Davis was on the ground like pumping his chest after taking a charge and just unprompted, my grandpa was like, yeah, I just don't like that guy. 
um, you know, and it's just, it's just, you know, and I, I looked at them like, yeah, but why? And I get like, there's a lot of reasons that, that people don't, but you know, like it's, he is that type of guy, right? He's the Wisconsin guy that I think people think of when they think of that team, but they're just, they have so many different elements and pieces. And I, and I even think just they're bigs um, with crawl and, and, and wall and, uh, you know, they, they have really solid pieces. I mean, I, I was really shocked with that Wisconsin game or with the Purdue game when they went into Purdue. I was like, man, are, do they have the guys to go single coverage on Edie and, and Williams? And, you know, Crawl and, and, and those guys, they fought their butts off, and, and they do. So if you have the guys that can do that, more power to you. And I think that's another reason why, uh, you know, I, I, I would almost put money on Purdue winning that game against against Wisconsin in Madison. I think they'll split the you know their their matchups. I, I'd be shocked if Wisconsin swept them. Yeah. Um but you're right, man. Looking at when you glance at that schedule, there's a lot of Nebraska, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of Penn State, you know, and in in Minnesota. So yeah, I mean obviously that's you know, but those are the tough games, right? The, mm-hmm. you know when you have a lot of those types of games those are actually the ones that if you lose them can kind of take the wind out of your sail a little bit. So it's, you know, I I guess in the way that they've started, you probably want to have a a lighter schedule coming down the home stretch, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be in in as good a position as anybody here rounded it off with, with the, you know, the the ones that they have in the schedule here. It's going to be an interesting finish. It's going to be an interesting finish. And Illinois certainly has put itself uh, in that race and right now at the front of it. That's why you got to take care of business at places like Northwestern. Uh, They still got Rutgers on the road, Penn State at home. Uh, but a lot of really good teams still left on that schedule. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this because the atmosphere is Mike at State Farm Center. You were there uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like, man, it's been awesome. Like, I always, always want to remind myself what last year was because I heard a lot. I heard a lot about. Sorry to interrupt you. I heard a lot about that game, that particularly the Michigan State. I was at the Michigan game, and I thought that was a fantastic atmosphere. I'm sure Purdue was the same, and I heard a lot about the Purdue one. But for some reason, this Michigan State one seemed like. By all accounts, was was that the was that that the best one out of the three? Man, I, I mean, th- out of the, out of the two, I guess with that and, and Purdue. Maybe it was because I was so swept up in the game. Like I thought Purdue and Arizona yeah. were higher level games, right? Yeah. And I think there was something about that Purdue game, but it it's because the crush, man. Like the the fact of where they are on the court now, closer to the court. And they just bring that atmosphere. I know the Michigan game, they weren't there. Um, they just bring that different element. So I think when these national guys like, you know, Goodman was there, Goodman. Jeremy Wu was there, Benetti and, and Hummel, obviously, who are the best in the business. Like, yeah, uh, it, it's just It's different. right there. They're right yeah. there on them, right? <laughs> I'm assuming those guys are sitting around where you're sitting with the, yeah. on the press row. Yeah, it's just, it's just a different – because, like, I don't think the acoustic of, of State Farm Center is as good as like Assembly Hall. Like Assembly Hall is just two walls of people. Oh, the old the yeah. Indiana one, um, where it's two walls of people yelling at each other. I think it's similar to Breslin. Like Breslin with yeah. those students where they're at gets gets insane. Like what was your favorite atmosphere? I, I it was weird when when I got to Breslin, I was actually surprised. And sometimes maybe the camera angle throws you off. Like if the camera's high enough, it looks like it's in this massive arena. But sometimes it's just at the top of the arena. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Breslin was smaller than than I thought it would be. I, I went in there. I'm like, actually, it's which actually lends itself to uh, a loud arena. 
I went out to Oracle Arena to watch the Warriors a few years back, and it's it's the smallest arena in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Chase Center's not anymore, but Oracle yeah. was, and that was the loudest. That was the loudest arena I've ever been in. NBA arena. It was crazy, but Big Ten, you know, Ohio State's too big. You know, the, sh the shots too big. It just it it's too wide. So yeah. I, it, you know, they've had some good atmospheres in there, but, um, you know, but Indiana for sure. Indiana, we we played them my the year that I was redshirting my senior year. And I think they hit 19 threes. So that place got, <laughs> that place got pretty loud. I think they scored 103 points on us. So yeah. um, I, I think Indiana's up there for sure. But for me, for me, if I were to, if I were to pick one, it's probably Mackey. Um, Mackey's, I mean, and, and part of that, you mentioned the students. I mean, the students in Mackey are like where I was situated on the bench they were on, on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, they were hanging over you almost. So um, that one, you know, Mackey, especially just in that arena, is just so tough to play in. And they're obviously always a really good team. And, mm -hmm. and then Wisconsin, Wisconsin, I wouldn't say has like the best atmosphere, but it's in my personal opinion, it's, it's the toughest place to play. When I say the toughest place to play, it's just cold in there, man. <laughs> like it's just freezing. And, and part of it is, you know the the hockey and you know i i understand that but man you'd go in there for shoot around and it felt like oh my god we played there almost all four years that i was at illinois and i think three of the four were 11 a.m games so you didn't get a shoot around you had like a freezing cold practice the night before and then you got up and i remember my freshman year we it was a disaster we <laughs> lost by 30 and our, my team my freshman year was good we went to the NCAA tournament we were seven seed but you lose by 30 but when you backtrack, it was an 11 a.m. game. We wake up for 7 a.m., you know, shoot around, but we were going to do a walkthrough in this, like, ballroom almost. And something happened, scheduling, or something happened to where we didn't have the ballroom. And we were just scrambling around trying to figure it out. Then we go out there, and then we get murdered. Um and then our flights delayed on the way back and we're sitting in this small little airport for seven hours. It was just, it was an absolute disaster. Um, and that team was so good. I mean, Decker and Kaminsky and <clears throat> that was a really good team. So I, yeah. sometimes, you know, the atmosphere, the atmosphere is better when there's, when there's a crowd that has something to cheer for. Yeah. And typically that's against, that's a really good team. That's typically on the floor. So, yeah. yeah. So it ends up being the Purdue's, the Michigan States, the Wisconsin's and, but those those are the ones over the years that um but but top 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 even going outside of the big ten conference was Gonzaga. Oh yeah. Gonzaga the kennel. the kennel the kennel was was number one for sure. And then to go in there and get a win like we did yeah. was just in the way Brandon played. I mean, it's just that that was that'll always be for me like <laughs> when you know, when I look back at my Illinois career, man, that was that was a win. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely great stuff. Michael, two up, we'll do our film room, uh, breaking down Illinois' improved defense from the Maryland game to the Michigan State game. But as always, man, love talking hoops, and thanks for the insight. Appreciate it, man. Follow Michael Tulip on Twitter at Latulip underscore Mike. And uh, we talk to him weekly here on the podcast. But if you are not a VIP member, I, I gave a pitch earlier in the podcast, 60% um, off a VIP membership. Part of that gets you the VIP film room breakdowns from both Michael Tulip and Jay Lehman throughout the year. And I think they're worth the price of mission alone, especially for that first year where you're basically paying just a couple bucks a month. 
it's it's great. I learn something new every day, and I think if you talk to a friend that's a VIP member, they will tell you the same thing. So check that out. He breaks down defense this week. And I got to be honest with you, like the offense stuff we usually see, right? Most of us lay fans see the the defensive stuff. I I always learn something. Um, just because of where people need to be. And you don't really notice that stuff as much, unless it's a block or a steal or, you know, single on single, one on one, a guy, you know, shuts somebody down. But it's the team defense stuff that Mike breaks down so well. So check that out at IlliniInquire.com. It's going to be a busy weekend. Illinois football, of course, busy on the recruiting trail. They're starting to tweet out where they're going in state and all of that. Very smart. I mean, Brett Bielma gets the messaging thing. He gets the PR thing. It's not that uh, other staffs didn't recruit in state. Um, the staff recruits harder in state, and they've they've made a great effort. But um, the, the PR part of it, like he just he gets it. Um, I can't say that enough. Like that, that's important. It's a huge part of a job of running a college football program is your outreach, your PR, um, your messaging, and Brett Bielma. Uh, is great at it. It's great at it. Now, it doesn't matter if you're not winning games, but, uh, you know, as you're building this thing, it's really smart of him to do. Uh, but, yeah, we'll be covering that. And, of course, Illinois basketball at Northwestern. As we're talking about Latulip, you better show up for that game. You can't have Maryland. If you have the same kind of effort you had against Maryland, you're, you're probably going to get beat. Um, Northwestern is not beating many people, but they're giving a lot of people close games. As we saw against Michigan State, uh, Illinois in, in some of those close games at the end, I mean, it can get dicey w- with their offense, especially if Kofi Coburn's uh, not there. We don't know anything new on that. I don't expect Brad Underwood to, to tell us much on Friday, but we'll see. Appreciate you listening to the Illini Choir podcast. As always, give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. Derek Piper and I will talk to you from Evanston over the weekend as well. And take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Choir podcast. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.